0: At loveisrael.org. That's one word loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: A wise person does not make decisions on how he or she sees things, but we make decisions based upon the revelation of Scripture. If God says it, you need to be making decisions based in your life, doing that which is in line with his word. It doesn't matter how it may appear unto you through your eyes. How, when you look at a situation, how you think it's going. Our God is a God of change. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter 49. The book of Isaiah and chapter 49. Now, we saw at the conclusion that God made a wonderful promise. Change was indeed coming. God promised it, and it was only a matter of time. Now, we've all heard the expression that a day to the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years to the Lord is like a day. What does that mean? Well, sometimes we look at something and we think it may happen soon. I mean, it may happen tomorrow, but it's not happened yet. And sometimes a thousand years or more can expire. And still, that thing that we thought was near, it still hasn't happened. And sometimes the exact opposite. What we think when we look at a situation, we think that won't happen in a thousand years. And God, he'll make it happen in one day. With God, all things are possible. See, we just can't know that verse. We have to believe it as well. Look with me to verse 13. Now, we concluded with this verse last week, but I want to repeat it because... It's a great verse. It has a wonderful promise. It begets hope in our hearts. God says, verse 13 of chapter 49, Isaiah's prophecy, Shout, and as I said, a shout of joy. Shout, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Break forth, mountains. Shout. Why? Why? why all this joy why all this emotion why all this change because the lord has comforted his people his covenant people his afflicted ones he will be merciful too and god's mercy brings about a great change so verse 13 concludes with a wonderful benediction a statement of blessing a change that god's going to bring about a messianic change but how was that received by the people now we need to remember there is a term we're going to see it in verse 14 the term zion meaning zion zion is jerusalem but in a redemptive state, in a kingdom condition. But that's not happened yet. Not in Isaiah's time, not in our time. And therefore, notice what it says, verse 14. Sion, that's Zion, will say, the Lord has left me, abandoned me, forsaken me. However you want to translate that word, lazof. That's how the people in Jerusalem, which will be called Sion, in that kingdom condition, how they felt when they heard this. I mean, if God's going to do all these wonderful things, we look at our condition and we don't see that happening. So God must have departed. He must have left us. Then it says something more. We see this term Adonai it's parallel in the first place we see the word hashem that sacred name for the lord and now we see the term adonai being being written down and it says and the lord meaning adonai he has forgotten me so the people feel that the lord has abandoned he's left and adonai same one that he has forgotten. This is how the people feel. And notice God's response to this, this statement. Look now to verse 15. A woman, her, her child, she will forget. Rather, it says, she will have mercy upon the son of her womb. Now, God says that's, that's what we expect, but even these, they might forget, but I, I will not forget you. See, it's not unheard of, unfortunately, that a mother will ignore her child, will, will abandon, will do whatever, not being faithful, not demonstrating mercy. It's unusual. But it happens. But he says, I never, that's the intent, I will not forget you. Verse 16, behold, upon my, and this is a word, kapayim, palms. Now, this is significant because this is where the nails that he had driven through his flesh, this is where they went. And we learn something, and that's what? We learn that he did that for his covenant people, both his old and new covenant people, for God so loved the world. And he says here, in light of that, again, verse 16, he says, behold, upon my palms, literally upon the palms, I have engraved you. Your walls... Now, what are walls? A place of watching. Not just watching for the enemies, but watching in prayer. And he says, your walls, meaning your prayers, are always before me, meaning constantly before me. Verse 17. He says, your sons. He's speaking about the children of Israel. But sons, why? A different generation. Not in Isaiah's time, but later on it says, your sons speedily, quickly, in a fast manner, they will will leave, what? They will leave destruction. And also from, this is another word that means ruin, destruction, uh, calamity speaking about something that brings about the uh, uh, rubble. And it says, your sons from ruins and from destructions, they are going to go forth from you. Why is that important? Means they're your children, but they're going to experience something different. They, right now, ruins. But in the future, Your children are going to go leave all that. Why? They are going to experience the restoration of the Lord. Verse 18, he says, lift up all around your eyes and see all of them. All of them are going to be assembled. It says they will be assembled and they will come or you shall come or they shall come to you. Meaning, there's going to be reconciliation. There's going to be a reunification of God's people. That those who believe the promise in that day, in the days of Isaiah, they are going to experience that generation, that kingdom generation. They're going to be one. God is going to reunite the different generations together in his kingdom. So he says, lift up your eyes all about, see all of them. They are assembled and they shall come to you. I live. This is a term of a pledge. I live, declares the Lord. Meaning, as I am alive, if that's true, and we know God's never anything but alive, he's eternal. He says, as I live, in other words, declares the Lord, for all of them, are going to be as an oint or ornament. He says they are going to to dress themselves and they are going to bind them these ornaments, these decorations. They are going to bind them as a bride does. And if you've seen, for example, a a bride from Taman, that is Yemenite bride, her outfit, just Google Yemenite bride. And you're going to see the bridal attire very different with all types of ornaments put on. And God says, this is what is going to happen to you. You are going to be like a bride with all type of ornaments, all type of preparation for a celebration, for a marriage. What marriage? That marriage banquet in heaven. So wonderful news news that God promises verse 19 for your destruction and for your desolation Des, desolation he says the land of your destruction for now now people left when a land is destroyed people don't stay there they don't live in ruin and and refuge and stuff. They leave that. But God is speaking about a change. And that change, he says here, pay attention. He says, too small for an inhabitant. For all the people that are going to be coming back, this restoration, there's not going to be place for one more. It's going to have to be expanded. And that's why the land of Israel is going to get bigger, as God promised Abraham. From the the river in Egypt all the way to the great river, the Euphrates River, the land's going to expand. And he emphasizes here it's going to be too small. It says, and the ones that swallowed you up, they're going to be far away. So the land's going to go through a restoration. And those who devoured up the people in the past, they're not going to be part of the kingdom. They're going to be far away. Verse 20. Still, they will say in your ears, children of your your bereavement. Now, they're going to be talking about what was. And all of that's going to be restored. Why? Notice what he says. Again, verse 20 very significant verse. Again, they will say into your ears, the children of your bereavement, it says, too small shall be the place. So we're talking about one who says, all my children I've lost. I'm a grieving mother, father. I have no children. Now, normally what happens is this. If parents had several children, usually their home reflects that. It's going to be a larger home. And if all their children are lost, that home is going to have a lot of vacant space. But what God is saying is this, there's coming a restoration. And this place that was desolate, this place that had been destroyed, this place that was absent to the most part of of inhabitants, it's going to be transformed. And people are going to return, and it's going to be too small. What will people say? People will say, "Present for me a place that that I will dwell. They're looking for space because there's so many returning back to the land. Now, I truly believe that we are seeing a foretaste of that in our day. just a happening to convince us to show us, to demonstrate. God is going to keep this in an unbelievable way. Now, if you go to many places in Israel, close to where I live in the city that I live in, they are building, building, and building. They are tearing down one small apartment building to build a large skyscraper. This is happening all over Israel. Now, this is for those that that are returning presently. But did you know that there are a lot more individuals that are tied to Israel? For example, in South America, among the Sephardics, there are those who are unquestionably of Jewish descent. But they have been forced to convert they have lost their Jewish identity, and there's millions of them. Some would say larger than the Jewish population is presently in the world. There's more there, and what's God what's going to do? God's going to bring them back. This is what He's talking about here. This land that was was desolate and brought to destruction. This land that was almost empty only 72 years ago, we know something. We know that the land of Israel only had about 600,000 Jewish people living in it. Today, that number is over 6 million. And you can see and imagine when that 20 million returns, this prophecy is going to be fulfilled. They're going to say, you know, give unto me, present to me, A place that I might dwell within it. Verse 21. And you shall say in your heart, who gave birth for me? These. So these people who feel loss, no family, all of a sudden, all these people are coming back. That's the imagery that's being conveyed to us. And they're going to say, who gave birth? to all these people, for me. They're coming back to the land. And it says, and I, I was bereaved. I was barren. I was an exile. I was a wanderer or removed. These, it says, who raised them up? Behold, I. And the implication is, I thought I remained by myself. Where did these come from? And all of this has to do with God's promise. There is going to be a great congregation of Jewish people that return to this land. And as I said last week in our study, that it's happening now, but ultimately that great rest- restoration, that great return out of exile, is going to be done by yeshua himself now let's learn just a straightforward principle and it's this there are many who call themselves believers i doubt that but there's many who identify as a believer a follower of yeshua and they say that land of israel that that's all in the past There's no more right for, for Jewish people to come back to this land. That, that's not God's will. I'm a follower of Yeshua. Well, this is the problem. I don't think they are a follower of Yeshua. They call him usually Jesus. There's many so called, not all, but there's many so called Palestinian Christians and they are against Jewish people coming to the land. But if you read, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 31. It's going to be Messiah himself that commands his angels to go and bring the elect. And it's not speaking here about believers. It's speaking about the sons of Jacob. That's how the term elect is used by Messiah in the gospels. So Paul uses it differently, but Yeshua, he's talking about the lost sheep of the house of israel so they're going to return and messiah is in favor of that and if you're a follower you need to be as well verse 22 thus said the lord god behold i will lift up to the nations my hand why well this is a manifestation of the gospel of what Messiah suffered these wounds in his hands. He's going to manifest that to the nations, just like it says in Matthew 24, verse 14. He says, before the end, that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to all the world as a testimony to the nations. That's what the scripture is saying. And to the people, here, parallelism. Hebrew poetry, what's parallel to the nations? Peoples. He says, I will raise up my standard or miracle. Now, this is a poll, and it's referring to in this context, the cross. They're going to have an understanding of the cross. This is the fulfillment of Matthew 24, verse 14. Messiah is going to do that. And he says, I literally, your your sons, they will be brought in arms and your daughters, they should be carried upon the shoulders, referring to God bringing about a return of the exiles. Better yet, we can think an end to the exile. And what's the opposite of that word exile, galut in Hebrew? It's the word geula, redemption. And redemption, remember, there's two parts of it. The first part is the payment, the suffering of Messiah, when he went through, when those nails went through his palms and his side when he was crucified. But there's the outcome of that, and that is salvation. What's another word for salvation? Victory. That's what he's promising here. And this return, this joyful return, of your sons being carried in the arms and your daughters upon the shoulders, all returning back to the land. Verse 23, it says, and kings shall be your your tutors. Kings, one of the things about a king, he is supposed to, a king of Israel, write for himself a Torah scroll. Kings are supposed to be wise that's why Solomon was offered wisdom. So it says kings are going to be your tutors, and queens, they're going to be your, your nurses, meaning they are going to nourish you like a, a wet nurse nourishes a child, an infant. And it says when they realize God's plan, God's marvelous covenant promise, his program for establishing the kingdom. It says, the implication is, their faces are going to be to the ground. They are going to bow down to you. And it says, the dirt of your feet, they will lick. Why? And you will know that I am the Lord. When those who wait for me They're no longer ashamed. They're no longer scoffed at. Why? Because there's no longer any waiting because Messiah has come. And he restored, restored all things that he has promised. Verse 24. Now, verse 24 deals with what we could say the, the difficult things to believe. Now it reads in verse 24, will be taken from a mighty one, a prey, meaning this, and we could think of it this way. There's a mighty lion and he's killed a little lamb and he's going to now eat that lamb. Are you going to be able to take that that lamb away? No, sir. And this is what it's saying here. Will from a mighty one the prey be taken? And if the captive from a righteous one, will they escape? Now, the answer to these two questions are no, they will not. But with God, all things are possible. God answers the question differently than we would answer them. He says, for thus said the Lord. Also, the captives of a mighty one will be taken, meaning will be removed. Who's going to do that? God is going to do it. When he's going to do that, he's talking about at the end of the age, bringing the people back to the land. He says, the prey... Of a, we might say, tyrant, a terrible individual that prey he's going to let go, a tyrant is going to let go those that he's enslaved? Obviously, the answer is no. But we know something. It says in the middle of verse 25, your opponent, the one who is holding those tyrants, he says, your opponent, your enemy, The one who contends with you, God says, I will contend with. And your sons, I will save. God is going to do it. And he's going to show his faithfulness to his word by doing this last great work of reconciliation between him and Israel. That's what he's promising in this passage that is going to be a testimony to all the nations. Last verse, verse 26. What about those tyrants? What about those that are working against God's purposes? And again, it pains me, but there are people who say that they are followers of Messiah Yeshua, that they are believers of this book, that they are submissive to God's will, and they are against God's plans and purposes, what God has revealed through the prophets, what we are studying at this time. And God has a message for them. And this is it. Verse 26, and will be done. He says, I will feed your oppressors. So God, and you might think, well, this is nice of God. He's going to feed our oppressors, but with what? He says, I will feed your oppressors with their own flesh. And as sweet wine will be their blood that they will drink. So they're going to eat their flesh. They're going to eat or drink their blood. And he says, because of this judgment. Now here again, so many times people do not want to have any connection, any study, any messages on God's judgment. Such a person is devoid of biblical knowledge. I mean, you just can't read the Bible and think God's judgment is a bad thing. Now, we don't want God's judgment, his wrath, but God's judgment prophetically puts things into God's order. If you want God's order, you're going to want God's judgment. If you read the book of Revelation, that heavens rejoice because of God's righteous judgment. So we read here, verse 26, I will feed your oppressors with their blood or with their flesh and as sweet wine, their blood, they shall drink. And they, who's they, all flesh, all humanity, both Jew and Gentile, all flesh shall know that I am the Lord, your savior, your redeemer. And then notice he uses the word And the word is avir. Here, in this case, it's it's translated in modern Hebrew as a knight, meaning like a knight of King Arthur's round table. Someone of of status. Someone who is a, a gallant man. Someone that behaves in a proper, in a dignified way. Someone who stands for justice. And what it says here is that God, this may be speaking about the Son of God, Messiah. He says, I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer. Messiah is just that, our Savior and our Redeemer. And he calls himself the Knight of Jacob. Now, many translations just says the mighty one of Jacob. I suppose that's fine. But it's speaking about one who, yes, is mighty, but also has much honor, much glory that that others esteem. And the reason why they give him honor and glory and esteem is because this one does what is right. This one is a force for justice to put things in order. And that's what Messiah does. And it's interesting. If you listen to many, we talked about this last week. If you believe the false teaching that the name means, the name Jacob means uh, surplanter, deceiver, cheater. Well, isn't it interesting that a scripture that means and speaks of Messiah would be called the knight, the dignified one of Jacob. No, we need to be vividly sound we need to study and if you study that word that the name jacob comes from you find indeed it means one that pursues the things of god and that's what messiah ultimately is going to do that's why he's called the knight of jacob because he pursues the things of god and he brings them about he is the instrument of salvation And we're speaking about salvation, not just the payment for salvation, but the outcome of it, and that is the kingdom of God. Shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website,